Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Innovate for Impact. Uh, you've got Dan Bentley here and Tracy Newman. Today we're joined by Christine and Di from Touch, and they're going to tell us a little bit about what they do, but we're going to have a four-way discussion around feedback and how you can use feedback, why it's important, you know, maybe some misconceptions and different things that people go wrong with collecting feedback and using feedback in their organizations to help you guys to be able to ensure that your organization is using and capturing feedback effectively to in- improve your client or consumer experience. So I might just chuck it over to Di and Christine. Uh, tell us a bit about who you are and what is your organization Touch? What do you do? Oh, thanks, Dan and Tracy. Di and I are both aged care nurses and we've developed Touch, which is a digital complaints feedback system. We've worked in the um, healthcare sector for a long time and we've realised that, you know, complaints are a really big issue and especially to as we're moving towards a consumer-directed care model within health, feedback is a really central thing or a way an organisation can find out what that consumer experience is. So Tell Dutch is what we had. We had a mantra, didn't we, die that, it, you know, it had to be simple for the users and yet provide meaningful data for management teams. So it's data that's live and um, it's coming through all the time through a dashboard system and then consumers have got um, an app to use to be able to provide feedback. Yeah, so we've been going now for two years now. So it's amazing how, how it's all changed and with the Royal Commission, how that's really brought a focus in on feedback and how people feel that they're not getting listened to. I think that's so important. Like one of the greatest joys in life is to feel heard, isn't it? And you kind of talked about like it had to be simple. I'm really interested in how did you make it simple? Because often when you start talking about feedback, everyone kind of groans and looks tired. So I'm really interested in how did you make it simple for consumers to be able to give that feedback? You know, we did research on, you know, what are the high areas where people are high risk areas that people um, provide complaints about. So we've used that and we've got six categories in the app and they're reflective of what consumers have been providing feedback about. And then after that, we've got responses that they can then tick to say, you know, which area that relates to. And then a section where they can provide um text messages as well as to what that feedback is and it's only quick four screens so it's not you know arduous to go through and go oh here's another one here's another one and so it's quick four screens and then it's done and it's straight to the manager's dashboard. How did you go from being nurses to running a tech company? That's what I'm interested in. It's been a very interesting journey going from the health sector to the tech world. I think we've learned a lot I think the added benefit is not coming from a purely tech background is that we actually brought our level of knowledge into the development of the app as well, which the tech people thought everyone would know how to do something. No, and they realised, you know, so we were really testing it as we were going along as well. Yeah, look, we've enjoyed our journey in the tech world, I'd say, Christine, but it's different altogether. The interesting thing is just realising that the level of understanding within the healthcare sector on using tech as well, you know, it's quite a low base that we're starting from and um, that impacts on what sort of systems you've got. So they've got to be intuitive 
They've got to be simple and easy reporting systems for managers to read. And Diane, I've you know we've we've worked with various types of systems, and it's some of them are quite clunky to get through to the you know to the data that you actually want to be able to use to you know make changes to get better outcomes for residents or, or consumers. So our experience has really been great for getting a very simple system working. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, you've been able to bring. Being obviously having some sort of creative direction, obviously being the the directors of the organisation to be able to inform the design because you are somebody that would have had to have used a system like this in the past, right? So you've been able to bring that experience in and sort of make sure like if, it, if you can't use it, how on earth are the people intending to use it going to use it if you can't use it yourself? And so you've been able to get a, a good design based off that. that. That's really cool. What was it that actually made you go, yes, this is what we need, you know, because working in aged care, there's lots of things I'm sure that you see all the time that you think, wow, this could be done better. What was it that made you go, no, this is this is it? Well, we've done a lot of consulting in aged care as gone in as consultants. And I think one of the major triggers that we'd go into an aged care home, be asked to go into undertake an audit, the manager would be very happy. There was nothing going on. and uh, But you'd go out and talk to the residents, the consumers, the families, and there was a lot of unhappiness, very disgruntled uh, satisfaction. No one was listening to them. I guess one of our biggest triggers was the lack of transparency and accountability that was going on with the paper-based system because as a manager at a site, I can only escalate what I, what I want to escalate to the next level up and it goes up so the general manager can escalate what she wants to the CEO. So there wasn't that open transparency. That was one of our biggest triggers that we wanted people who users of aged care services to have a voice, but we wanted accountability and transparency to go along with that as well. So, yeah, I think it was that driver of finding lots of feedback that had been sitting on desks for weeks, months. We all know very well in our own experience, if no one responds to us, how disgruntled we become and how devalued we feel. So we had to make a more open, transparent and accountable system. I think it's interesting. So, you know, being outside, you know, consultants coming in, just seeing the staff as well, because if you've got relatives that are angry, it affects the staff, it affects how they deliver care, because they're too frightened to go into support a resident because they're they're worried about what the relative's going to end up saying about them. So, you know, it's all about relationship building. And, you know, when they break down, it's very difficult to rebuild and, you know, to get a resolution. So it's just so important that you nip them in the bud as early as you can to stop that angst that happens not only for the consumer, but for staff. And it's all about the culture of the staff and, you know, their perception of what feedback is and, you know, how that it does help you really with your workplace. If you can respond to people when they do have an issue and you respond that respectfully and in a timely manner, it's a win-win for everyone. You mentioned that the complaints were kind of piling up and people weren't really acting on them and now you've made it easier for people to provide feedback. Isn't there a bit of a concern that, oh, that means we're going to get even more and how if we can't deal with what we've already got, how are we going to deal with even more feedback? Like, How does that actually work in reality? Initially when, when we've implemented the system, we've seen an escalation in feedback come through. Once it starts to be dealt with, immediately or within an acceptable time frame, it all demises. It just festers when someone each day is putting in another complaint and it's not being acknowledged, it's not being done. We have a, a really good story of implementing our system into a home of a daughter who visited her father seven days a week from 10 in the morning till 
six or eight o'clock at night. And so she saw a lot and she was continually providing feedback or raising issues which were being ignored. Once we put the system in, these issues were being dealt with or a response was being given straight away that it actually, her issues demised and she came and thanked us for it. She thought it was the best thing out, but she said, I just raise an issue and it's dealt with straight away. And some of those issues are very minor in the big scheme of things. If you're a busy manager, a box of tissues for someone can be very minor if you've got someone who's very unwell or has had a fall. But for that consumer and that resident, that's major for them. So just being able to resolve those issues really quickly, there's been a demise. But I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we've also seen in many sites or many homes that we have it in, the escalation of positive feedback. And that's not something we were getting in aged care, where people actually take the time to press the button and say, happy, thank you, I really enjoyed today's meal. They may say it, but no one takes it any further. This way, it's actually there documented. So the positive feedback, we're starting to see a turn. And that's something else we want to encourage is for consumers to give more more positive feedback because everyone in aged care works extremely hard. I was just thinking that because, again, we, we often hear that there's issues around staffing in aged care. So getting that positive feedback has got to make a positive contribution to retaining people. Yeah, we, we come across this a lot in our work that people quite often will say to us, we don't get a lot of feedback, so we kind of assume that we're doing a good job. And what we will quite often challenge organisations on is that, well, okay, let's talk about your avenues and the way that the environment you're creating for people to give feedback. Because that's often the challenge, right, is that there's not a way or there's not a consistent or easy way that really asks people for feedback. There's asking for feedback like, I've done something for you. Is there there anything you'd like to give you feedback on? And then there's also this other thing of like, how do you actually create an environment and an openness where you're truly, truly asking people, tell me what I did well and tell me what I could do better because I really want to grow from it. I think there's a real difference in those two types of feelings. There anything else I can help you with versus the, hey, like I really, really want to know what you think. And I think if you can get that latter sort of thing happening, whether it's through a system or a conversation or whatever that might be, there's always something people have feedback on. It's just whether you're actually creating that environment and a mechanism to capture it and then be able to analyse it and do something with it. I think that's the gap that we're, we're seeing a bit. Particularly the analysing and doing something. That's the real gap too. You know, often we go in and we work with organisations and they've got lots of feedback that comes into their organisation, but it's in all different places and it's expressed in all different ways. And and so they don't really know, like, what, what do I actually do with it? So it moves into the too hard basket. I'm not sure maybe that is actually the the, the shredder. It's, it's more, but it's often not even as deliberate as that. It's just unseen. It's not collected. It's not collated. It's not reviewed. And there's no trends and people are just reacting like oh I got this thing I better do something I got this thing I better do something oh I'll do this I'll do this I'll do this but they're not actually being sort of strategic and mindful around like what are the themes what are the insights what's the one change I can make that's going to down the line prevent 10 pieces of of feedback that I'm going to have to act on immediately for every single one of them so you become more deliberate in, in what you're doing and therefore you become more effective and therefore you're less busy 
And with Teltouch, what we've done too is we've mapped it against the standard so you are able to see those trends. You are able to see where are our weak points at this stage. So we're not going to be doing training on, you know, palliative care when it's obviously privacy and dignity that's the issues that are currently front and centre at the moment. So mapping is so important and being able to identify those trends as well. And I think, too, it comes down to education, don't you think, Di? In the aged care sector, complaints management hasn't been a high priority for education until open disclosure came in. So open disclosure is part of education now, but actually managing complaints because we're all not skilled in that area. You know, some people deal well with getting feedback, others don't, and they take it personally. So, you know, just being able to step back and giving people the the skills and the knowledge to be able to manage complaints management. And that only comes through training and, and life experiences as well. But you're right, it's a skill and it's a competency. So therefore it can be taught. And it's so often not taught. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. What we see all the time is people hire people who are purpose-led. They want to make a difference. But sometimes that big heart means that they they do react personally when they get feedback and it can be really difficult for them because they really care, but that personal investment's there. Whereas giving them that training then enables them to translate that emotion into effective action moving forward that's going to make a difference. Whereas reacting emotionally to that feedback often makes the situation even worse. Exactly. And I think also, Tracy, there is a big gap in that analysis of the data and moving forward and feedback forms that are currently in place now, of which we'd like to see gone because that's from the 20th century. That's last century. We all had a feedback form and a suggestion box because it's allowing free text and often people will raise three or four issues in the one box and you're thinking, well, what are they complaining about? Is it the food in the dining room? Is it the staff attitude? Or is it a resident they don't want to sit with? So using a digital app, it's actually getting people to compartmentalise their actual complaint. What is the major issue? So therefore, it allows a manager to have all of this already collated for them. They know they've got care issues. They know they've got food issues. They know they've got cleaning issues. So it, it allows them to more easily be able to analyse the data and look at the data. But I think that's a big gap that requires training as well. And so what, what are some of the benefits that you're seeing when people are collating this feedback and then also acting on it? What are sort of some of the sorts of things that organisations are seeing once they get good at this? They're seeing an increase in positive feedback, which, which at the end of the day is increased morale. But I think also providers lose sight of the fact that their biggest marketing tool is their consumer. So, you know, if people are happy with the organisation, they're going to tell others, you know, but certainly if they're unhappy, they're going to be telling everyone where their grandmother is and how bad it is. So we've seen certainly a big shift in positive feedback. I think the response time, people are, um, there's decrease in the time that it's taking them to respond because a lot of issues are not major issues, are easy resolved. We haven't done any data analysis on whether it's decreased their complaints to the commission. Yeah, but you could see it heading in that direction, right? If you're actually on top of this stuff and you're proactively addressing it, like the long-term effects are going to be that you are actually going to be 
uh, changing your services and your approaches and your coaching and building capability to create better experiences more often, which means that really should, at the end of the day, decrease those complaints because that's where they come from, right? It's when people aren't getting a resolution with the provider they're then escalating, right? And that's what you want to avoid. So, and I think as well, I mean, like you said before, I think the reality is right now too, it's a highly competitive sector, right? For beds and, you know, net promoter score is something that's used in a lot of organizations, but it's based off some science, which is like you said, your consumers and their family are your biggest marketing tool, right? At the end of the day, they will say, hey, this place, you've got to check it out. The way that my relative or whatever is living is just great quality of, of life. Whereas if it's the opposite, oh, there's so many problems and blah, 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 they're not going to send somebody else there. You know, people ask for recommendations. There's so much marketing coming out there that what a recommendation is worth these days is worth so much. And then there's also people can leave reviews, right, around that stuff online. So if someone's thinking about shopping around and looking at a few different places, they could look at these online reviews. And if you're letting that stuff sit in a shredder, then someone might put it online, right? So there are huge benefits for these organizations. And I'm not just talking about, obviously, we're all on board from a client perspective, but commercially, there are huge benefits for them to to act on this stuff and get it right. Because, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's the business you're in. If you are shredding this stuff and you are letting it sit on the desk, that's only going to last so long, you know, <laughs> eventually it's going to catch up with you and you, you're going to struggle to be providing a good service, which means it's going to struggle to be in business. So Certainly. And, and there's enormous, I mean, we know occupancies decrease. There's now an enormous competition for residential to have clients come in. So we've seen decrease in occupancy. So the competition is greater. We're seeing an increase in home care. And that's another space we, we're, we're moving, we're into, into the home care because they're the people that don't have a voice. I was actually just about to say that because, again, the home care providers, it's difficult for them sometimes to get feedback because, you know, often the one person that someone has an interaction with is is the person that they might need to give that feedback form to. So you can see how there's some awkwardness there. So actually for people in home care to be able to provide that feedback and then for those organisations to use that to make sure that they're training their team and that they understand what's really important for their consumers could be really powerful. I think you've hit on a point there about accessibility. It's all about accessibility, isn't it? So being able to access that and also to having that available in multiple languages as well. Our cultural landscape's shifting all the time, isn't it? So, you know, and having those forms or, you know, having that translated can be costly and our system is actually available in 45 languages. So, you know, um, that cuts down a lot of costs and improves accessibility and our cultural inclusiveness. And they feel safe then being able to provide feedback if it's in their own language as well. So That's great. What about misconceptions? Have you found in the sort of work that you've been doing around just in feedback in general, you found that you, when you have been working with these or- any of these organisations, that there's yeah, misconceptions out there around feedback and maybe it's value and those sorts of things? I think its value is not recognised. I don't think its value as a whole, looking at it, that issues are systemic, that there is actually something going on. I don't think that is acknowledged and I don't think that looking at opportunities for improvement, that actually my feedback is giving me the opportunities to improve my service that I deliver. I think there's still that misconception around um, of what aged care might have been like 10 or 20 years ago where people weren't allowed to complain Yeah, I think that's a big thing, isn't it? The world is changing and consumer expectations are changing and they're changing really rapidly and people operating the same way that they used to operate 10 years ago isn't going to be 
effective. It's already significantly less effective, but fast forward into the future, those organizations, they're not going to be able to get clients. They're not going to be able to be occupied. They're also not going to be able to attract employees because if you're not really listening and collaborating and and facilitating your people building their skills, then they're just going to go work somewhere that does. Mm I think COVID has been has changed the landscape completely. It, Pre-COVID, we weren't using technology and you might have thought, well, anyone over 70 or 80 doesn't use technology. It's actually pushed these people into using it, you know, whether it's their banking online or feedback. But I think we've also now moved to an era where people want instantaneous. I don't want to have to go to an aged care home, find the form, fill it out, in three weeks' time to say that the meal my mother had last night was not satisfactory because I'm a busy person. I'm working full-time and I can't drop everything to go over there to do it. Getting hold of someone to tell that to is not easy now. So people are expecting that we are we are moving in this digital world and we want to give the feedback today, now, not to tell you in three weeks' time or that the meat was tough. You've mentioned a couple of times you've mentioned about meals and food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just take a little moment to talk about food because it's interesting, isn't it, how emotive food is for people. I mean, it's not surprising when I think about it. I spend most of my life thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner or what I'm going to eat on the weekend or going out to eat with people. Like food is a big part of our lives. Yet for some reason, once we start talking to people who are older, we forget how important food is, don't we? Oh, certainly. I think it is. And look, if you look at the cohort of people now living in residential care, many of them are females, so they were used to cooking and preparing meals, and that's their level of expertise. So they're able to give that. It's not about care. They don't have expertise a lot of the time in care, but but certainly when it comes to food. And food is an important social activity for them. It's an event that's happening. But I think the other aspect that we relate food to, and that's why it's on our app, is that our app is a risk tool as well. So if we look at people that are no longer happy with the food, they stop eating the food. If you've got a number of people, if people are not eating the food, they're going to start losing weight. And that's now a quality indicator. But you start losing weight when you're older, you increase your falls and your skin integrity. So it's a risk tool as well. So you should be able to identify if you've got a lot of issues around food that you may end up with a lot of residents losing weight that are not eating it because many of them won't eat. Wow. What about some organizations that you're working with that are using feedback well? Like what are they doing with, you know, whether it's using your tool or anything like that once they actually get this new data and they're actually proactively managing complaints? Like how are they doing it that's working? We're working with a home at the moment and to see that the manager is using open disclosure in her communication. She uses the correct process of documenting the actions that she's going to take She will then do follow-up, whether it be an audit. She's got that open communication and she's leaving that uh, feedback open until the consumer is satisfied. So she's using the system. Many of them are, but that's just one very recent example of um, using the system well and then transferring information or if there is a systemic problem onto her PCI plan, which is also part of the requirement for um, accreditation as well. That's great. So what you're sort of saying there is that she's managing it both on the individual level really well, like sort of keeping that open until she gets a good resolution. And I'm sure there's an element of communication back to the consumer as well around or whoever raised the complaint that this is being fixed or worked on or whatever. But then you're also saying she's kind of got that macro view as well of 
the systemic stuff within the organization that she's also keeping an eye on to make sure that it's not a bigger problem than just a one-off with a, one resident, yeah? Yes, yeah. For our listeners that aren't as familiar with the aged care landscape, when you talk about open disclosure, what exactly does that mean? It means apologising for what's occurred, then undertaking an investigation and getting, you know, just ensuring that you've apologised for for what's happened and then explaining to them that you'll be getting an investigation happening after that and that they'll get back to them. So it's just a very important part now in the accreditation process and in all complaints resolution anyway I think it's it's all important that we you know that we apologize for that that happened and that you're going to investigate it and see what see what actually was the cause of the issue so in our industry people were always frightened that they were then were going to get blamed or have some legal issues um, attached to it so that's why no one ever wants to say oh I'm sorry but you know with open disclosure now that's that's changed. That's so powerful because sometimes you do see that from, you know, organizations or governments or whatever. People are like, Oh, don't, don't say you're sorry because you, you might get sued. But really <laughs> all that does is actually stop people from having meaningful communication where you can be really sorry that something's happened to somebody and manage it really well. And, you know, through just that act of acknowledgement and an apology, often that's really all people actually want. Yeah. We got to look at it as well, right? And I just makes me so happy that the world is moving towards this more person centered view because that is just the most unperson centered view ever, isn't it? Like, I'm not going to acknowledge your complaint because I'm worried I might get in trouble. Like, that is such an internally focused view. And I'm just so happy that we're moving away from that as, as a sector and just, or just in general, I think it's happening across all different sectors in not only in Australia, but around the world. It's a real trend and more power to the consumer, I think. And that, that's a good thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, if one of your friends came to you or someone that you know and said something, you wouldn't just walk off, you know, you've got to, you've got to address that, you know, you, you've got to say, look, I'm really sorry. And, you know, next time I'm going to try not to step on your foot or whatever you did that, <laughs> that annoyed them. And you've you got to do something. It's just decency at the end of the day, right? Yeah. yeah. I think people don't, don't realise how powerful just using those three or four words are. Look, I'm really sorry that happened for you because it really diffuses the whole confrontation that is about to occur. And we all know that if we've had that own experience in our own life, you're really angry and you ring up and they say, look, I'm really sorry, it's, it's gone okay, now let's try and solve it. But to be defensive and, and then to start making excuses about staffing and how busy we are, I don't want to hear that from Mr Meyer or any of those department stores. It's not my problem. I just want my problem solved. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For organisations that are national, having a digital complaint system is really powerful for them as an organisation and um, strategically. Complaints then are central to, it should be fed up to their board, how how they're actually responding, what the consumer experience is and where they've got opportunities to improve that. So at a national level, you know, if you've got that data from all your homes, you go, well, what's happening over here? Why isn't that working? You know, or why is that doing so well over there? We should be adopting that for all of our organisation. So it really gives you rich data that you can improve systems and get better outcomes for the consumers. And that's basically what we all want, isn't it? You know, is to make it better for, for older people and that they're a part of that solution as well, that, you know, they're, they're involved in that. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like at the end of the day, feedback is the food that's going to make your organisation better. Absolutely. And if you just shred it or <laughs> ignore it. <laughs> then you're not going to get better, right? But if you really embrace this and create an environment as well, I think it's really important too, creating an environment where your people 
are supported no matter if they even get bad feedback. You know, I think that's another really important part is that, you know, bad feedback turns into a witch hunt and that's why people go, well, let's avoid it, right? That's why they are shredding things because they're like, I don't want to lose my job or I don't want to get in trouble about this. So I think there's a, there are a number of factors that need to happen. But if you get that, that environment right where you're making it safe and easy for your consumers or clients to provide feedback, you're then also creating that internal environment where people see it as learning rather than people necessarily getting in, in trouble or being reprimanded for making mistakes or you know having an opportunity to do something better, you are then creating this amazing fuel to build an even better organization. And I think it's just about embracing that, setting up a culture and an environment where that happens. And if you get that right, then you're going to create a better outcome for your clients and actually have a better performing organization. And that's what it, that's what everybody wants at the end mm, of the day. Mm, mm. It just is a little bit uncomfortable to get there for some yeah. people. Like we get it, right? <laughs> but, you know, there's no avoiding it. Avoiding it's not going to solve the problem. Yeah. No. Yeah. True, true. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, thanks so much for joining us today and taking some time out of your busy day, Di and Christine. We really, really appreciated it. We're going to add the link to the Teltouch website so that people can check that out if they're interested in seeing how it could might be able to help their organization. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that and got some ideas around how you might be able to implement some new ways to capture and act on feedback within your organization. So thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.